with the spread of the Kyle Shanahan tree offenses around the NFL, our defense is getting better at defending those teams. And Roger Craig, among other ex-49ers, Hall of Fame semifinalists, coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter, on threads. Find us everywhere. Leave us a comment on YouTube as well. Appreciate all the everydayers out there. Make sure you're subscribed up on uh, YouTube and everywhere. You get those podcasts. And uh, Croc, Roger Craig, Hall of Fame semifinalist. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, he's not the only semifinalist, by the way. Old Elder Shanahan among them. Uh, former 49ers coach George Seifert among them. But uh, let's start with the the Play Callers podcast that's out there from The Athletic. Jordan Rodriguez doing a fantastic job. We talked about some of the, the notes from the first couple of episodes yesterday. I, I want to – we teased at the end of yesterday's pod about the defensive side of the ball, and they have gone a lot more into the defensive side of the ball, talking uh, Robert Sala. Some insight on how the defense has changed for Robert Sala and what it was like with the 49ers when they showed up and how things changed for Sean McVay and his defenses. And he went from Wade Phillips to Brandon Staley. And we heard from Brandon Staley in this podcast. So a lot of great insight. And it just matches up perfectly with what uh, I asked to to end yesterday's episode to you, Croc, which is with so many Kyle Shanahan protégés out there and so many people coming from the same tree of offensive scheme in the wide zone. Our defense is going to get better at defending those teams. And might we start to see teams going away from the Kyle Shanahan offense because defenses get so good at defending it. It sounds like you you don't have to go away from the offense. You just have to figure out how to fit your concepts into different looks and how you can attack defenses in a way where it really kind of destroys their rules. The really cool thing that I heard in there was defense at its core previously was you do this or this. And then they have learned to kind of tailor their thoughts to be able to warp to whatever offense that they're playing. And I said, that's very interesting. Yeah, the other interesting thing this was, or this, it's this and this. Right, that, every, there we go. Every defensive coordinator, they use the word multiple, right? Everyone's a multiple because you have to be multiple. The, the, the other thing was how cracking the code in these defenses aren't just randomly happening. And they also aren't happening because, Oh, we're watching film and we just know how to break it down. Even though there were some kind of sound bites of maybe seeing another team and what they did against them. And then it's like, okay, let's try to do that again. And that happened. There was a lot on that with McVay, but it's almost like they're kind of spies, right? These offensive guys, they go into these, uh, teams, they're the coordinator, and there's this defense that's really tough, and they just get to practice against that defense and throw everything they have at it, throw everything they have at it, until eventually, boom, they crack the code. And then that's what they utilize because everybody else is starting to ad- adopt that style of defense. And then now, boom, Kyle Shanahan figured it out because he kept going up against it in practice, and he was determined to figure it out. He he, he didn't even know. He said, so it's not a quarter's defense? They're like, Nah, man, it's a cover three defense. He he didn't even know what he was looking at. But once he figured it out and he talked to them and he's sitting in those rooms and he starts looking, okay, 
And then he goes up against it. And he tries different things and he starts to crack that code. And it happened there. Uh, and then it sounded like there's kind of this back and forth between the defense changing and then the offense having to change to that. It was it was really cool stuff if you haven't heard it yet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was really intrigued by hearing McVay talk about uh, the defense and Brandon Staley talking about their defense because when Sean McVay's Rams with Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl, there was one team that season that gave him fits, and it was the Chicago Bears. And who was the defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears at the time? It was Vic Fangio. So it was Vic Fangio's scheme, and he was the one that was kind of pioneering the, the cover four stuff at the time. And it really gave them fits. So what did the genius of Bill Belichick do when he was about to play the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl? Well, he went back to the team that played them the best and said, well, guess what? We're going to do that to you in the Super Bowl. And guess what? They beat him in the Super Bowl, right? And and so what's what's awesome about it is that Sean McVay is like, hmm, you know what? Let's get that. Let's play that defense too. So what did he do? He went and got the guy who was under <laughs> Uh, under Vic Fangio in Chicago, and that was Brandon Staley. And so he brought in Brandon Staley, young, smart guy, kind of running that cover four thing. And now that's the defense they're running, and that's the defense that they're trying to beat and get better at. And Jared Goff's getting crushed in practice because he's going against the the defense that had the answers against their offense, right? But, you know, and so uh, we're seeing so many teams around the league play the the Shanahan, McVay, you know, that whole style of wide zone on offense and a lot of motions and a lot of, uh, play action and, and bootlegs and all those things. And then on defense, we're seeing so many teams now run that Vic Fangio style of defense and a lot of cover four. And uh, then Robert Sala talked about how they, it, it was like, so was it the 49ers losing the Super Bowl, the very next Super Bowl in 2019, the wasp play that beat the 49ers. That was a cover three beater, right? So it was a cover three beater, depending on who you talk to, because I've heard different things. They can kind of tell you different rules. But I know this, all right, just from a, a, a basic standpoint of cover three. All right. And cover three as a cornerback, because it was Emmanuel Mosley who everybody gave a hard time to. As a cover three cornerback, you are a two to one re guy. All right. So what that means is if uh, two is going up the seam, you have to be in position, if that's in your third, to be able to cover that and a vertical from the outside guy. So essentially, you kind of want to play like kind of cover three divide where you're splitting the difference between the two guys. And if they're both pushing vertical, maybe shade a little bit closer to the uh, two going up the seam because the further throw is to the outside guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you're reading him. Once two goes away, you can squeeze whatever one does because now there's nobody else to threaten your third. So what happened in that play was Tyreek Hill and the number one receiver, Tyreek Hill was at two spot. They're both running vertical, straight up the field, right? Two goes away on a post. That was Tyreek Hill. One ran a dig. So now I can squeeze and help on that dig because two went away. Unfortunately, two came Patrick back. Mahomes dropped back 20 yards and Tyreek Hill had enough time to attack the single high safety, get him to open up and turn the other way, and then go back out. And and that typically doesn't happen. You typically don't have enough time to do that. And you typically don't have a quarterback dropping back 20 yards and still throwing the ball another 60 yards or whatever the heck he did. So uh, everything kind of came together perfectly for 
the Kansas City Chiefs. Mosley, they gave him a hard time for that. But I would say it's more on Jimmy Ward because he's a safety and he opened up. Ideally, and this is different, I don't have Tyreek Hill who runs a four flat running at me. Ideally, if you're Ward, you would like to stay square and high in your pedal. So when he's running that post, I still have inside leverage. I can just run at the top, but I don't have to move now. And once he goes corner, I don't have to flip and turn. I'm just in the position to be able to plant and drive. So to me, that would have been the tweak. But again, I don't know what they were taught. I don't know what they told them in the meetings. I don't know if they said, hey, if, if you see Tyreek Hill in that, in that slot and he's pushing vertical, no matter what, you just stay off in that third. But typically, that's not how you play it. Typically, two goes away, you squeeze one. Mm-hmm. And it's such a rare play for a quarterback to have that much time, be able to make that throw, a wide receiver who's the fastest receiver in the league, to be able to push you that way and then come back to the corner. And Emmanuel Mosley had just made a big play. It was either earlier that game or I think it was the game before where Emmanuel Mosley did that. He squeezed to the inside and he made a big play. I think he might Number have three against the uh, Green, Green Bay Packers. Yes. Two to one read. Yep. One did a stop route. Two went up the seam and he jumped that seam route and got the interception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's again, that's that's where your eyes are. Two to right. one. If one stops, the only person to threaten your zone is two going up the seam, and he was able to get that. In this scenario, two went away, so now he can squeeze whatever one does. Unfortunately, two just came back out on the right. corner. So they used his rules against him. So good job by the Kansas City Chiefs there. But next, Croc, then what did the 49ers start doing more of and less of on defense after they lost the Super Bowl to someone who figured out how to beat what they were doing? Next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by our newest sponsor, eBay Motors. Super excited about this one. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed fits on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us in this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. And Croc, yesterday we talked about Christian McCaffrey. He's a no doubt 1.1. I know every 49ers fan out there when they've got the number one pick in their fantasy draft is going to be taking Christian McCaffrey. But Croc, who do you think you would take if you didn't take a running back early in your fantasy draft? Who would you want? Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. It's okay uh, to get downright giddy about doing the gritty. That means picking Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson is a guaranteed fit get this over the last two seasons jefferson led the league in both receptions and receiving yards and should remain absolutely dominant as a target monster for those vikings and ignite your lineup going forward Vinny Iyer, every single week locked on fantasy football is going to help you find your fantasy championship and ebay motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit it's the same with your vehicle with ebay guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly air filters brakes batteries tail lights alternators shocks struts fenders you name it ebay motors has it and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because ebay guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time which is key so go forth switch gears crank the ac and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing because now 
you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go with eBay Guaranteed Fit. Everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check, get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So we saw the Rams. They got beat in the Super Bowl by some very good defenders and a smart coordinator. And they realized that there was answers to what they were doing. So they tried to change what they were doing and tried to learn how to defeat that. 49ers, next year, they go into the Super Bowl. They get beat by an awesome quarterback and an awesome coordinator and an awesome offensive mind that figured out how to beat what they were doing. And so what did the 49ers defense start doing less of? Cover three. Will they start doing a lot more of? Cover four, just like the Rams started doing, just like a lot of the teams in the league started doing, and just like a lot of teams around the league are doing, especially against the the Kansas City Chiefs. And then, Croc, have you noticed recently what the Kansas City Chiefs have started to do with their offense? Because guess what? Everyone's playing cover four against them, trying to make Mahomes beat them underneath and trying to make them you know, hit him with just body blows and, and make him have 10, 12 play drives instead of the explosives, the haymakers, as Robert Sala called them in the playmakers or the play callers podcast. And I think it's just fascinating how the league goes and how innovation is, uh, how innovation happens in the league and how you learn how to beat something. So you got to change it and do this. And then that this happens to that. And that happens to that. And how the Tampa two is kind of just the same as the, the cover three, but instead of the middle linebacker dropping back into the middle of the field, that it's, um, you know, safety in the middle field as well. And then, so now you got cover four. So now teams know how to beat the cover four. So what do teams do against the 49ers that are trying to figure out how to beat cover four? Well, they rotate late. So while Jimmy Garoppolo's doing a play action and turns his back to the defense, what do they do? They bring down a robber safety because he knows that they're going to try to th- drop that dig in behind the second level. And Jimmy Garoppolo turns around and what he thought was cover four is actually cover three with a robber and he throws the ball to the defender and throws an interception. So, I mean, it's just awesome watching these minds go back and forth at each other, learning what to do to beat somebody, making it more difficult, making the picture muddier. And so now you got positionless offense against, against positionless defense. You got motions, you got late uh, movement on the defensive side of the ball, late rotation. And I, I can't imagine how difficult it is to play quarterback this day and age in the NFL. Have you watched, and there's a couple of things here and I'll talk about with the cover four. Actually, I'll start with the 49ers and what they started doing. At one time, I want to say maybe a year ago or two years ago, when Robert Sala, right, right, Robert Sala's last year, they started going a little bit more cover four heavy, especially on early downs. And the thought process behind that was to prevent those big, deep overcrossers by having two safeties now. So, in turn, what the 49ers wanted to do, and this is where we just recently talked about Eric Armstead playing three tech, this is where it comes in to play him playing on the end. They wanted bigger bodies on the defensive line to help against the run so that it's not a D4 that has to set the edge. Let's put a big body out there like Eric Armstead. So instead of having in a cover three, you'd have an extra guy in the box in a cover or any kind of two high quarters or, or uh, cover two or whatever. Now you have two states. So that's an extra guy out of the box. Now you're more vulnerable against the run. So they just want those big bodies on the edge, especially in early downs and the 49ers went quarters heavy. Now, it's a little different, kind of, with Patrick Mahomes. Have you watched Quarterback, that show on Netflix? I have not. So I was I was watching it, um, and I downloaded it so I can watch it on the flight. I fell asleep. I woke up, and I see they're playing against the 49ers. 
and he throws that interception where uh, uh, Gibson jumps it and picks it off. I mean, he knocks it away, then Hufunga dives over him and picks it off, right? That was like the first, one of the first drives of the game. And Patrick Mahomes, it's so co- cool to kind of see because he's so confident in his ability. And he said, there's no way they're playing this like that. So not only are teams going to quarters to try to keep Patrick Mahomes, and you see his numbers, the air yards, him, whatever, check down, all that. That is more so than probably anybody in the league because teams are playing their safeties, even in the too high, extremely deep. So he has no choice but to throw underneath. But he wants to throw it deep. So he said, I can't believe, the f-, and he's saying this, you, you hear I can't believe the 49ers are playing me like this right now. Their safeties are tight. They jumped that. I'm not expecting that because nobody plays us like that. So what he's going to say, we're going over the top now. I want to throw it over the top. Teams just play so deep, I can't. So what they do, boom. And this is where I talked about the other day, Travis Ward, that turn and run. Valdez Scantlin got him deep. And that was, he was also, I want to make sure I, I say it. I, I think Ward was still kind of hurt, Travis Ward. But uh, they got the 49ers deep, and the safeties were really tight. The jumping stuff underneath, that leaves your guy out there on an island that has that kind of struggles to turn and run in, in quarters and off coverage, and boom, Patrick Mahomes threw it over the top. So he's looking to throw it deep, but teams like 49ers and others have gone more to too high and make it tougher. But even more so for him than anyone, it affects them because they're not just playing too high and, you know, 12 yards, you know, off the ball. They're playing deep, too. So he's a little different. He might be a little bit of an outlier. It's fascinating stuff. I love it. And, and I, I do love hearing those things from behind the scenes and hear what they're exactly saying. And I always think that when I'm watching the games, like, I wish I could know what these two guys are saying right now because I know. Do that you know I'm, what quarters, I mean, quarterback is? Do what? Do you know what that is on Netflix? Have you heard about it? Uh, yeah, I've heard it's coming out. I think they did one recently about something else. Uh, maybe last year was the other players, NFL players, maybe it was a different sport, um, but a similar idea. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited. There's it's, it's Mahomes. Is it Mariota and cousins? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because cousins threw a pick, right? And I bet everybody on social media, the, the fans, the Vikings fan, Oh man, he just threw this interception, terrible throw. Right? So he throws this pick. He's throwing it to Justin Jefferson and he goes over to Justin Jefferson and he was like, you know, you didn't you didn't like it. Like, we're coming here. He's like, you know, don't worry about it. And you see Justin Jefferson tap his chest because he was supposed to flatten that route off, but he saw a body there. So instead of flattening it off, he kind of freelanced and and went over the top where Cousins is like, no, like, I want you here. So you just see him kind of go to him and talk. And to them, it's just an interception. All right, we'll adjust. To other people, oh, Cousins sucks. You know, so that was just kind of just the interaction after an interception, how – Everybody's going to blame Cousins, but it, clearly it is Justin Jefferson's fault. All, all interceptions aren't created equally. Oh, man, we do that so much here post-game on the show, Croc, because everyone's crushing somebody during the game. We're like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if that was his responsibility. I think this other guy might have been the one that screwed that up and made him look bad. Happens all the time. Yeah, happens all the time. Uh, next, Croc, let's talk Roger Craig. We, we, we covered this earlier uh, this offseason, talking about Hall of Fame running backs and comparing Roger Craig and Frank Gore and, and what Chris McCaffrey could be. I mean, Chris McCaffrey it would help Chris McCaffrey's future Hall of Fame candidacy so much to see someone like Roger Craig, who had all that receiving ability, 
get the nod in the Hall of Fame. Roger Craig, among other ex-49ers, reached semifinals of 2024 Hall of Fame voting. Next. I do want to thank everybody once again for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We love all the everydayers out there. You can become one. All you got to do is subscribe up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, here we go. This is uh, from Matt Mayoko. The Pro Football Hall of Fame's Coach Coordinator Committee reduced the list of candidates to 29. It was once, I think, above 60 candidates. It's down to 29 candidates. The group includes George Seifert, John McVay, Mike Holmgren, and Mike Shanahan. Only one from this category will advance to become a finalist for the 2024 class. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The the 60 number, I think, is players and the, the coach contributor uh, part of the, the committee. So this is just the coach contributors. We've got George Seifert, John McVay, Mike Holmgren, and Mike Shanahan, all of them a uh, part of 49ers lore. And, man, Mike Shanahan with two Super Bowls. It's a little surprising that it's going to be this hard for him to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, George Seifert had such a fantastic run with the San Francisco 49ers. And then on the player side of things, Roger Craig, is uh, is part of the uh, the group of sixty total, including the seniors, coaches, contributors, and players. And let's see the other players that are up for uh, the semifinals, along with Roger Craig. It is Ken Anderson, Otis Anderson, Carl Banks, Maxie Bond. Don't know who that is. Larry Brown, Super Bowl Super Bowl hero, uh, Mark Clayton, Charlie Connerly. Uh, Roger Craig, obviously, Henry Ellard, who had seemed like his best games always against the 49ers, Randy Gratishar, Lester Hayes, Chris Hinton, Cecil Isbell, Joe Jacoby, Billy White Shoes Johnson, Mike Ken, Bob Kuchenberg, George Koontz, Albert Lewis, Jim Marshall, Clay Matthews Jr., Steve McMichael, Eddie Meter, Stanley Morgan, Tom Nobis, Art Powell, Sterling Sharp, Steve Tasker, Otis Taylor, Everson Walls, and Al Wistert. Those are the semifinalists. Um, each semifinalist last played the game of professional football no later than 1998. So it's the pre-1998. The, the pre-2000s crowd is what we're talking about here uh, that have a chance to get in um, from the Hall's 12-person seniors committee. I like Roger Craig's chances against those guys, but I, and that's just at, at the semifinals level right now. I'm still not, I would love to be pleasantly surprised, Croc, but I just feel like Roger Craig's not going to get in, even this time. It's going to be tough. Man, one name I heard on that list, where I'm like, man, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Sterling Sharp. And I know his career got cut short due to injury, but he was up there with Jerry Rice. Right, as like one of the best receivers in the league. Now, you got Jerry Rice at number one, Sterling Sharp wasn't too far behind. And we're talking about the greatest receiver of all time. And then he had the neck injury and it just cut his career short. But hey, he was a, a, a really good, really good football player. So it's just interesting to kind of hear his name. But as it pertains to Roger Craig, I think the tough thing for him too is, you know, Adrian Peterson. You know, he just retired and it's like, and maybe they, they one has nothing to do with the other because of, like you said, kind of the pre-1998 guys. But do they let Roger Craig in before 
Adrian Peterson. And I mean, they're in two different classes of like running back. And so like when I think of Hall of Fame, I think of Adrian Peterson. When I think of Hall of Really Good, I think of Roger Craig. <laughs> well, yeah. So do 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 they start to give Craig more credit for his receiving ability and being the first 1,000, 1,000 yard guy? And do they not just count rushing yards for what he was able to do? And I think that's something going forward that, you know, a lot of running backs are going to have to get credit for, or else uh, a lot of them aren't going to be able to get in the hall of fame if we're just adding up rushing yards. But um, it's a different committee and a different process too, for those, uh, those senior committee guys like Roger Craig and the regular voting that goes on for someone like, Adrian Peterson. So I don't think they're related, but I think that the more guys with the more yards that go in, the harder it is for someone like uh, for someone like Roger Craig's numbers to stack up. By the way, so Sterling Sharp that you mentioned, he only played from 1988 to 1994. So seven years. He made five Pro Bowls in those seven years, three first team all pros in those seven years. And um, let's see. He had 18 touchdowns in his final season, too, which is still third best in league history behind Jerry Rice's 22 in a shortened season, by the way, wasn't it? Wasn't Jerry yeah. Rice's 22 touchdowns in a shortened season? Uh, yeah. And his career totals in seven years, 8,134 yards and 65 touchdowns. So he just dominated for that short time. I mean, we're seven years, 65 touchdowns. If I'm not mistaken, that's more than Michael Irvin. Who is in the Hall of Fame? Entire career? Yeah, his entire career. And he wasn't he the touchdown maker? No, he was the playmaker. The playmaker. Who was the touchdown maker? Steve uh Steven Baker? No. Somebody Baker was the touchdown maker. Oh no, only only Baker, only Baker that we acknowledge is Dusty Baker. <laughs> Dusty finally got his Super Bowl. Um, by the way, Roger Craig. Yes, Craig, uh, first player in the NFL history to have 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving in the same season. Won three Super Bowls with the 49ers. Spent eight seasons with the Niners, uh, 83 to 90. One with the Raiders in 91 and two with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, totaling 13,100 yards from scrimmage and scored 73 touchdowns. It looks better when you count his scrimmage yards and not just his rushing yards. So, um We'll see. We'll see if Roger Craig is able to get in. If he did it, he didn't do it a lot in his 30s, as we talked about. And I think that's one of the keys in getting into the Hall of Fame. And we've seen it with Roger Craig. We've seen it with um, Sterling Sharp. We see it with a lot of guys. And it's it's what's made it difficult on players like Patrick Willis. I think Willis will get in eventually. And I think Roger Craig won't. That That's the way I feel. Uh, I hope I'm wrong about that with Roger Craig. Uh, by the way, Michael Irvin, 65 touchdowns on the dot. So the same amount of touchdowns as Sterling Sharp. And uh, he said Sterling Sharp, what was his first year? 88 to 94. Interesting. They actually came out of college the same exact year. And, and played to like 2000, didn't he? To 99. And then he had that, he had a negative, and, you know, he had to get carted off the field. And I mm -hmm. remember that against the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe. But, you know, played several more years and had his, Best season, you know, 10 touchdowns. And it's like, man, you look at what our, our guy uh, uh, Sterling Sharp was doing. I mean, because yeah. up until that point, Sterling Sharp was the better football player. It looks like Irvin maybe had one all-pro year. Yep, 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, but up until 94, he had four 
Pro Bowls and one All Pro, and that doesn't stack up to what Sterling Sharp was doing either. Nope, not even close. He was balling though. He had a lot of yards. <laughs> of all the play- people we've talked about, the the modern era guys, Patrick Willis and them, um, the the uh, senior committee guys, Roger Craig, all the coaches we talked about. Who do you think is the most likely to get out of all that group? Probably Mike Shanahan. They haven't they haven't factored in like obviously. I mean, he was a coordinator for the 49ers, big time. You know, yep. winning. Then you go and you know you get John Elway, to, you know, to the suit. I say, you know, because I mean, it was an older version of John Elway. It wasn't he couldn't win without Shanahan. He didn't win until Shanahan got there. But he had <laughs> yeah. a long career. So you know, you get the older version and you get him over that hump. And I mean, you win two Super Bowls. It's like you can't. They must be holding against him. Uh, his Washington days or something. Ah, now he was trash. And like listening to this play callers podcast too, and knowing that that Kyle Shanahan. And Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and Mike McDaniel, they're all on the same staff under Mike Shanahan and how Shanahan's legacy kind of keeps going with all these coaches yeah. and all these guys under him end up being NFL head coaches and all the innovation that happened. Does that strengthen Mike? Like Mike Shanahan, like so players when they're done playing, their, their stats don't grow. But I feel like Mike Shanahan's case to be a Hall of Fame guy keeps growing with all of the coaches, his assistants that continue to do great things. Right. Between them and like the Kubiaks, but it's like, hey, look like look at what I did when I coached. Mm-hmm. Super Bowls, all that. You know, one of the most explosive offenses with the 49ers put up what 55. Wasn't he the coordinator when the in that last Super Bowl win? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean you see what the 49ers did, and then I go and win two more. And then now you have all my little mini me's running around and they have adjusted and they've, you know, we saw my uh Sean McVay how he didn't want Cooper Cup on the sideline, so he went to 11 personnel but had that third receiver do certain things. I really like how they adopted uh, more of a tempo offense for Jared Goff because they felt like he played better, more, uh, like faster. Like if they get a nice play, they like to get on the ball and then go again, and that's when he was most comfortable as opposed to coming out of the huddle and stuff. So that was interesting to hear. But, yeah, these, they have kind of tweaked and adjusted – some of the things, but I think at its core, it's it probably has a lot of the same uh concepts that they've learned from Shanahan. So, like basically, when they do their base install of kind of what the offense is, it probably starts with a lot of the traditional stuff from Mike Shanahan, and then they kind of build off of that. I always forget about the Raiders portion of Shanahan's career as well before. He went Bronco. So he was with Elway twice. He was the Broncos offensive coordinator in 85 to 87, then was head coach with the Raiders, then went back to Denver again. So he had three stints with the Broncos and quarterbacks, offensive coordinator. So he was, he was Elway a lot and then came to the Niners as offensive coordinator, won the Super Bowl, then got the head coach job in Denver. Hmm. It's wild. I think two rings. He's had a long career, head coached multiple teams. I think probably the way it ended weird in Washington hurt him for a long time, but we'll see if, if his legacy continues on with the coaches that were his assistants in Washington now doing big things. And if uh, he'll get a little bit more credit with the voters. For that. I feel like it ends weird for a lot of guys. I mean, it's like you can't hold, you know, some down years late and just erase everything he did like as a coach and 
the, the impact he's had on the NFL and offense. Yeah, it's crazy because someone like Sean Payton, Sean Payton could have not taken the Broncos job and probably been, gotten into the Hall of Fame. And maybe the Broncos job will help him get there. But if he's bad, maybe he could hurt his chances. Right. Uh, you only won one Super Bowl. You had Drew Brees, yeah. one of the best quarterbacks ever. And yeah. you only won one Super Bowl. And same Mike Shanahan argument. And Mike Shanahan, if he retired and never went to Washington, he might already be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Interesting stuff there. I heard that whole thing with RG3. That was oh, right. Yeah. That was a great listen where he was, he was really, he loved the Shanahan's. I, I wasn't sure how he's going to feel about that era, but it seemed like he really liked the Shanahan's. I don't know. I think that RG3 is really good at speaking. He does a terrific job on television. And I think he was keeping it strictly football there with the different things that they did to kind of make him feel comfortable and, you know, be able to play well. And he's solely speaking on that. Because if you ask him, how do you feel about Kyle and those guys? If you ask like a different question that maybe won't be so football specific, the answer would probably would be a lot different than how he comes off talking about the, their football minds. Mm -hmm. and, and we do have to go, but uh, real quick, he did say that he wished someone would save him from himself because he was playing injured and uh, you can't allow players that are injured to make that choice because most times they will go out there and play and they could do more damage to themselves, which is what he did. Yeah, and he talked about not wanting to let the guys down in the locker room. Yeah. The guys that have been there for a while and deserve the shot. London to, Fletcher. To, to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Back tomorrow. Going live. Talk to you then. Right here. Locked On 49ers. Subscribe to this video.